straight from WCHL Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with Chris and C.L. Brown. Joining us tonight, Albany Empire posting contender and perennial Canadian Football League all-star Maurice Leggett. Also an 18-game NFL season, heaven or greed city. And now the two things getting you through the summer sports lull. My voice, thank you very much, and sibling rivalry sports. And now, time for another episode of Sibling Rivalry Sports Haiku. Football is coming. Is coming. Football is. Yes. Goodbye, cruel footballless world. This has been an adjusted episode of Haiku on Sibling Rivalry Sports. CL! Goodbye, Chris's haiku writing skills. That's what we need to say goodbye to. I had a, I took a little liberty on the last one. Went a couple <laughs> syllables over. Does that mean it's not but haiku? Who's counting? <laughs> oh, what's going on? What's going on? Another fun show lined up. Sorry, we we uh, had some schedule difficulties last week. Uh, so we couldn't come to you live and direct. But hopefully good people, good listeners out there, we got yes. something good for you tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. Starting, of course, with the big playback. This is the big payback. Today's topic on the big playback is... The 18-game proposal for the NFL. The 18-game proposal. Is it viable? Can it work? CL, you want to take first swing of that? Uh, sure. I think, you know, with, with the season right around the corner, the Hall of Fame game is this weekend, right? Up in Canton. It's either this weekend it's, or the uh, weekend after. The Falcons and somebody. But... I mean, to me, this is this is an absurd idea. I think it's just another way for the owners to try and monetize the sport. At what point do you make enough money, man? Like, <laughs> it, it, it shows another level, to me, another level of hypocrisy on their, their part. I mean, you're going to go through this lip service of talking about player safety and everything, and then you're going to talk about adding two more games, two more games that matter uh, to, to their bodies, to, to their phys- the physical toll a season takes on, on uh, playing this game. I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think that there are some voices. I saw a story, an Associated Press story, where the Bengals owner, Mike Brown, was quoted coming out already saying he's against it. Ho- hopefully there are more reasonable minds like Mike Brown. Right. Well, you know, Mike Brown, they would lose us too. So I think that might have to do with it. But, uh, um, you know, all right, see, I'll try this precise, though. Because, you know, we discussed it before. You made a great point of especially the quarterback. Like, who would want to see a backup quarterback out there playing? But, see, what if the quarterback, what if the quarterback, I don't even care about the kicker, what if the quarterback was exempt? 
doesn't matter. I mean, it's the, the same principle applies to not seeing Antonio Brown or Julio Jones, the the best receiver. It's 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 applies to any position where you have somebody who is clearly uh, an established star, uh, an established presence. You don't want to go and not see your team playing at full strength. It it it's mind boggling that that would even be a consideration. Hmm. Why? Why not just eliminate? If the whole prop, the whole this to me, this whole thing got started with the players wanting to eliminate some of the exhibition season. Right now, four games is unnecessary. I mean, you don't need that much time to get prepared, and you know who you're going to cut and that kind of stuff based on practice reps. You you know who's going to play and who's not based on all of that. So, if the whole purpose is just to eliminate preseason games then just eliminate them again how much money is is enough when is it when is it enough why why do they always want more why do they always want to monetize this game cl as a fan of the game i want more games that count if i'm not mistaken and we can talk to our guest in a minute who is a cfl veteran the cfl plays 18 games i think right now I would like to see an 18 game. I'd like to see more games that count. I would love that. To me, the season would either go longer or start earlier. This is the equivalent of boxing. This this would be like boxing taking a step back. You know, when we were growing up, heavyweight bouts were 15 rounds, and then they they figured out. That's not so good for the body. That's not so good for your head to get knocked around like that so much. And they scaled it back to 12 being the max. This this would be taking a step backwards as far as I'm concerned for the NFL to try and expand and go to 18 games. I don't know. I don't know any. I don't know about the CFL like that. I do think the USFL way back when used to play yeah. 18 games yeah, that's too. A good point. Good but point. that was 30 years ago, and we have <laughs> we have CTE wasn't even in the vernacular back then. Sure. So uh, I don't. I don't think this is a good idea. I think that. Um, Hopefully the players will also object to it, uh, so this will never come to fruition. CL, do you think that? Um, well, I mean, I think if if enough money is put on the table, I think the players might agree. But wait, wait, wait! You you made a good point about the USFL. Okay, question: Don't we have access to better medical resources now? And that's the whole reason that they would say you cannot no. play eighteen games. No, we 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 have better technology. That doesn't mean things are getting solved. We still don't know. I mean, there's still a thousand questions out, and and if if it was so great, I mean, we would have ways. There would be the technology and helmets to eliminate concussions. Like, it, like yes, we've made a lot of advancement in medical medical studies, but there's no there's <laughs> there's no cure for getting knocked in the head, man. Football sure. football is as coaches will say, a hundred percent. Uh, and now I'm forgetting the adage: 100% injury uh, sport. <laughs> I, 100% chance of getting injured. You're saying? Yes. Okay. And right. and so yeah, I just butchered that. <laughs> but <laughs> your coach didn't send that home good enough. Yeah, but I mean, I, I just don't understand. Why is 16 not enough? Why is 16 not enough? Well, I I don't know how to. Quantify it for you, CL. I mean, the only thing I could think is, all right, CL, what if they added to March Madness more teams? What if they added? No, eight? 64 is perfect. 
64 is perfect. I didn't like when they expanded to 68. Okay. It's three weekends. It's bam, bam, bam. When they were talking about a 96-team format, when they were talking about letting everybody in, it's ridiculous. You have to earn your way in, and you let it play out. And and 64-team. The 65th team is not winning the national title. The 69th team now in this format with, with the uh, four play-in games or whatever, the 69th team that doesn't get in, they're not winning the national championship. So more is not better. Wait, so CL, you don't. Uh, what if what if the season were a little longer? What about that? Would you like that if they added to the college basketball season? This is an apples and oranges comparison because basketball doesn't take a physical toll on your body the same way football does. Okay. So it, it's you can't make that comparison. But um, in terms of football, if you wanted to start earlier, then just start it earlier. Start the regular season earlier in August. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Like I. It, 18 games is is too many. 18 games is is it's not having the players and their health. You're not keeping that in mind if you're expanding to 18 games. All right, let me ask you one more thing then. CL, as it stands right now, the clip is about 69% of the league. The last three seasons is right at 69% of the league. Make it through the don't make it through the full 16 games. They don't. I think the numbers, well, obviously the numbers like 31% do. And that's players that played, yeah, that make it through the whole game, whole 16 games. So two thirds of the league already doesn't make it through the entire season already for whatever reason. Call it attrition or whatever. So if that's already happening, then how is it going to hurt to add two other games? that you have an exemption rule for, but you're already not getting that full. Like, you you could already go to a game and not see your players because they're hurt. If your player is hurt, then there's there's no that's not an excuse for not being at full strength. Your player is hurt and cannot physically play. If you have a healthy player that you're sitting out because of some dumb rule, <laughs> because y'all expanded to 18 games, I'm sorry, that's that's dumb. That's dumb. <laughs> that's just flat out dumb. dumb. Why are you gonna sit a healthy player? This isn't baseball. This isn't needing a pitcher needing to take days off between rotation, uh, his rota- spot in the rotation. This is this is football. You line up, you play. You're at full strength, you play. Uh, you still haven't given me a good reason why 18 games is necessary. Well, I'm trying to quantify for you so you understand. Because, see, you don't even watch the NFL. So there's that. But I'm just it's saying. It's not like I hadn't for 30 years. So Well, of course. but 40. Right. So, CL, CL. I want to see it because it's more games that count, and that's to me that's fun. Have an extra bye week, and I hate bye weeks, but have an extra bye week. You know, do the sixteen eighteen, make the quarterback exempt. I'm good. I I would love to see more football. You say move it earlier. That's not more to me. That's less at the end. I want more. It's not less at the end. It's the same at the end. It's just moving it up on the calendar so that there's not a as long a drought, especially if you're eliminating. Um, if, if they are going to move to eliminate some exhibition games or whatever and have that period be shorter, move the season up. Okay. All right. Well, Super Bowl in January instead of going to February. Like it, it's it's just sliding it. It's not it's not eliminating anything, but the the raggedy preseason games that don't matter anyway. Well, here's here's one point that I would my final thought here on this CL. Do you want to bet? Because I believe it's going to happen no matter what. Um, sure, we can bet, but 
I mean, it's not coming. To, I think this is this is happening. If it happens, it would be down the line. It would be like five years in some random conversation we're going to have. Like, remember, I put that on this. <laughs> and then the opposite, whoever lost is going, we ain't pet on that. So, you know. You are correct, sir. All right. Well, here is a sure bet, and that is that our guest tonight is an excellent, excellent perspective on this sport of football. Come on back because we have football veteran from three different leagues currently uh, playing in that small arena playing football. So we're going to hear that experience. Maurice Leggett is with us. Come back right here on Sibling Rivalry Sports. 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Today's guest, I think, just embodies a champion spirit, especially in the sport of football. He has seen championships. He has seen high-level play wherever he's been. I just think his journey is very interesting, and I'm glad to be able to touch base with him again. Uh, it's Maurice Leggett, currently of the Arena Football League Albany Empire, and that's that's basically, I think, been a week, but he, he was with Kansas City Chiefs. He was basically their internal, their their most outstanding rookie uh, a couple of years ago, and so he was with that team for a couple of years. He he, he played uh, previously uh, real quick in the in the Arena League. Then he went to Winnipeg and played in the Canadian Football League, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and he had a story career up there. Excellence all the way around. Sixteen interceptions, many times taking it right back to the house. I like to call him Almighty Thirty One. Maurice Leggett is with us. Maurice. Hey. I like to compliment how you said I played for Kansas City a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you feel young all over again. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I was watching the game last week. Now, so last week was your first game with Albany, yes? Yes. Okay, so I was watching it, and you know, when they got the chance to talk to you, they the, the announcers on the game they went to they went right to Kansas City. That's what they they said. I don't know if you noticed that, but if you had a chance to listen to them, but they they went right to Kansas City and they skipped over Winnipeg. And I was like, wait, what about the blue? But this guy dominated in the Canadian Football League. Uh, what, what about that? I mean, do you think the CFL gets the respect it deserves? I mean, it's not highly televised in the U.S., so I guess not, and a lot of people pretty much don't know about the CFL and different teams and who I am, unless you, you've actually followed me personally or followed players that go up there. Right, right, right. And so I can understand that. <laughs> Well, you know, and so so what what's so interesting to me is that, you know, as as a young boy, when CL and I were, you know, staying up late watching ESPN in the, in the early days of ESPN, you know, when they were showing all kinds of sports at all kinds of hours and you know, they would show CFL oftentimes in the middle of the night, but uh, uh, I became a Blue Bomber fan back in those days, man. Dieter Brock and those guys. So, you know, to see someone who is currently playing with them and just the pride associated with that team, how much your fans love you, dude. It's so apparent. It's so apparent. What, what would you say about how that community embraced you? 
Alright. You know, just as a number one class, I can only say like there's nothing bad about it that I can actually say really. Um they actually embraced me as if I was actually from there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing I loved about it. But I, I I didn't think it was about my play either. I think it was just more of me actually embracing the community and giving back. And then once I did that they, they just showed the love. You could say it's cold. I mean, I, I've been to Winnipeg <laughs> before. I mean, I don't. I love it out there. Like I actually, actually, uh, a season ticket holder. Uh, like he he embraced me so much to where I, you know, me and my family actually ate dinner there, and then he introduced me to his his friends, and we went ice fishing. That was the first time I've ever been. Oh wow! My my toes almost like fell off <laughs> I had to get into the to the snow bear and put my feet over the heater that ever since then I just fell in love with it I like the cold weather no doubt. It, it shows your toughness especially when you're playing yeah well we we had in an earlier segment had a uh, debate on a proposal to NFL uh, and it's not even formal proposal right now just being talked about but moving to 18 to an 18 game schedule uh, 18 regular season game did you guys play 18 games in the CFL in, in terms of just the regular season and and what are your thoughts on if that's too many or not for the NFL I mean uh it all depends on on how you look at it. Right now, we we play two preseason games in the CFL, and then eighteen. That's twenty games. You just they're just taking two preseason games and putting it towards the the actual regular season. So it's more toll on the body because you know, your starters are actually playing all eighteen at a high level, and you're not getting as, as much rest. That makes training camp a lot shorter. With uh, depending on the coaching staff, it can be pretty grueling at times. It's all depending on how you look at it. They would, the NFL will actually have to pay, you know, actual game checks for those extra two games. Mm-hmm. So there's pros and cons to it. It takes a, an extra year, like after five years, you're taking another year away from your body as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And, and I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I'm doing what I love, so. As long as there's a game, I'm ready to strap up and play. Nice, and you've proven that. I mean... I mean, Maurice, man, I was I, I was thrilled. I think you might have seen it uh, on, on my Twitter reacts. I was thrilled when I saw that you signed with Albany, you know, uh, just just back on the block. And I was like, oh, I'm turning into this domination time. Hashtag domination time. Um, and what a, what a savvy signing, too, because not only have you had experience in the CFL, you know, with the Utah Blaze or whatnot, but um, you just have experience, you know, patrolling that back end. So what what was it like coming back? Now you've, I know you've already experienced it, but what was it like coming back and getting back out there? What you know? What did you have to pick up? What was it like? It, it was just a, a different feeling, a different, different atmosphere. I haven't experienced anything like it here, and they, they haven't seen me actually play a game live in mm-hmm. the city of Albany, and mm-hmm. they embraced me immediately. You know, and they got they got the number one seed without me, and it was just like as if I was already there the entire season. And I'm a lot older than a lot of the guys out there, and I'm like I gotta keep up. <laughs> but I just use my mental. I just use my mental 
aspect and and just went as hard as I could and, and just show that I still had to show my teammates that I'm prepared and, and ready to go at any time. Now this is uh, this is CL uh, Maurice. I, I'm going to take it back to high school with you. I, I had a question about uh, you played at Mount Zion High School, correct, in in Jonesboro, Georgia. Yes, I did. All right, and then ended up playing college ball at Valdosta State. I was wondering at Mount Zion if you guys ever played Lowndes County in in Valdosta. No, we played about off the high. Okay, okay. We played about off the high, yeah. We went there my freshman year. Um, it was a funny story. My mom actually took me off the team because of, um, I had fees. So I had fees. We don't, we don't do anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do anything until I got, I got up. That nice. Oh, wow. Well, it, <laughs> it, it was uh, it, it was rough. It, it was rough in the household. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. I, I was asking about Lowndes County because I used to I covered high schools um, in Columbus, Georgia, and there was a playoff game one time. Shaw High School out of Columbus had to play at Lowndes County, and I got locked in the stadium. Everybody had gone. I was still writing my story, and I had to. Uh, I basically had to jump the fence to get out of the stadium. <laughs> In, in Lowndes yeah. County, Valdosta. They're, they're very secure out there. That's yeah. <laughs> they, protect your, they protect your house. You can't be mad at it. It's a, it's a tight-knit system up, out there. Um, we get a lot of guys from Lowndes, the Lowndes County area along. Uh, and they, and they, they build a tradition. They build a tradition. It's kind of a military style where, you know, if you're early, you're on time. You're, you're on time. You're late, and that's what they stick by. Okay. Well, so Maurice, uh, Arena Ball, you are. Uh, you, you said that you know you got some years on some of your teammates and what have you. And I just love the secret weapon aspect of it because you have so much experience back there I was waiting for them to try you you know and when they did we had to go and make a video about it because you knocked that thing out of there but I, 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 in the playoffs um, what kind of leadership you know are you looking to provide for the younger players you've been in that heated atmosphere that urgent atmosphere before you know what, what how, how's that going to work because the flip side of it is that you, you're just brand new to to, to the roster? Uh, what I bring is that one more mentality. No matter no matter what you do, if you've done it before, anybody can do it one more time. And no matter how tired you are, if you just tell yourself, all right, one more play, and then you, you actually, you know, make a good break on the ball, then the next play comes. It's like, all right, one more play. And you just keep having that one more play mentality by the time you know it, you know, you're on the sideline drinking Gatorade and offense is up or even up making another play, you're, you're scoring. You just you just don't give up and you find a way to pull through and, and make another play. All right. How much how much of playing Arena League is like does it take you back in your mind to, you know, just this, like sandlot football playing with neighborhood kids and that kind of stuff? Because, you know, obviously it's it's fewer people on the field, smaller field size and you know, it, it just seems like it's it's a lot more fun. It just brings that element back to the game. 
it's a lot more fun, but it's a lot quicker. It's the quickest game I've, you know, I've played in. Sandlot uh, game is just the only similarity to Sandlot player. But it, it's very quick, and before you know it, you're back up. You know, there's, even though there's four down, you're back up. There's not that many players on the roster, so it's a nonstop track meet. And it's kind of fun. Especially when you're doing a lot of scoring, but as a defensive player, you're like, man, I got to go back out. <laughs> just fall back into that one more play mentality. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's definitely a track meet. It's nonstop. All right. What well, do you so, Marcy? You think uh, you are uh, ready to roll as far as this this upcoming playoff game against the Baltimore Brigade, or or do you, would you say I just need a little bit more time, you know, a little bit more time on my feet to get back up to that kind of that level, fitness wise, you know, reaction wise that you want to be at? Because I know it's tough. It's tough. I'm I'm always ready though. Uh, and uh, our head coach, he already knows that I'm ready. Uh, it, 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 the game's never changed. The game's never changed, and it's still football. And you're always competing. When you compete at a high level, then it doesn't matter. Just just follow your technique, and you'll be ready at all times. All right. Who's the who's the, probably the toughest receiver you've ever defended uh, from from? You know, your time playing professionally in any league. It could be somebody we've never heard of or, you know, obviously somebody uh, who's a superstar right now. Can you repeat that? Oh, sorry about that. I, I said, who is the, the toughest receiver you've ever had to uh, to defend um, in your professional career? I had, uh, I definitely would say Brandon Marshall in Denver. Mm-hmm. By far, he was uh, he was definitely uh, a fast, strong, and physical receiver. And, and nowadays, you don't you don't have physical receivers these days. So like, and he had he was an all around player. He could block you, he could run past you, and he had great routes then at the time. Now you see, you said you don't have physical receivers now. Do you feel like defense is being uh, <laughs> the the way the rules changes have have come into play? Defense is is being almost written away, and and it's it's totally in favor of the offenses right now. Uh, well, with the rules, yes, it, it changed. You know, it changes. But you you want highlights, mm-hmm. so you, you really want it. So you know to bring more fans and you want TV ratings to go up but also uh, your physicality that's in your heart <laughs> so if, if you don't want to be special or you don't like contact that's in your heart and a lot of receivers they really, they play receivers so they won't have to be physical <laughs> spoken like a spoken like a corner <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, Maurice, I'm I'm really believing that you're going to be the difference. As soon as I saw that, as soon as I saw that Albany had signed you, brought you in, I was like, okay, that's a championship right there. That is a championship move. He's going to make a huge play because of his experience or two or three in the playoffs, and that's going to bring it all home. So we're looking forward to seeing all that. And my final question for you, people, people should go to your Twitter at Almighty. 
1931 and just see what an interesting, you know, engage, you engage people, you know, you talk to people, you do lots of different things. You talked about, you know, the ice fishing, you do lots of different interesting things like that. I want to know though, where are you and your family? Are y'all going to stay, you know, in living in, in uh, Canada or are you going to come back to, to Georgia or where, where do you think you're going to wind up settling down? Oh, we're going to settle down in Atlanta. Uh, my, my wife's not having that, right? <laughs> <laughs> she left a little early and said, it's too cold, so it's uh, family. We just had a baby girl in February oh, before we got married. And then we, we just, we're we just going to settle down and continue to grow our, our, our different businesses there. Nice. Oh, no. Nice. And and so just to mention for your business, are you talking about um, your business as a travel agent? Yes, a uh, travel agency. Nice. And how can people find out about that and, and you know, solicit your, your help in traveling? Uh, if they uh, if they can just go, they can go to my Instagram or or my Twitter and, and they can message me personally or they can just email travel at, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. The link to my site is actually on my Instagram. Okay, nice. And what is your Instagram? Almighty31. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, that's Almighty31, folks. You can tune in um, on uh, ESPN2 to watch these playoff games that are coming up um, on Saturday, July 27th. Maurice, thank you so much for joining us, man. Best best of luck to you uh, this weekend against the Brigade. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. We're going to talk some college basketball. Very interesting topic. CL, do it justice. Well, this week in on theathletic.com, check us out. Um, you can find a story I did. We're, we're doing a series on the all-decade teams for select programs. And so I did Carolinas this week. I'll do Dukes uh, probably run next week in NC State as well. And so um, I actually thought that it wasn't as difficult to me as I thought it was going to be initially to, to actually choose 10 players, five starters, five reserves. So the lineup I went with in terms of starters, we had Marcus Page. Well, first let me say the start of the decade for our purposes is the 2010-2011 season, not 09-10 not season. So 2010-2011 sure. season. Yeah. So Marcus Page um, in the starting lineup, Justin Jackson, Harrison Barnes, Bryce Johnson and Tyler Zeller, starting five. Off the bench, Kobe White, Joel Berry the second, John Henson, Luke May, and Kennedy Meeks. What say you, first and foremost, to to those names? Uh, Tyler Zeller, I love hearing that name. Uh, So, wait, you know what's crazy, though? What year did Harrison Barnes leave? 2012. Gosh, it seems like longer ago than that to me. To me, when you said that, I was like, wait a minute, huh? I thought he was the first. I don't know. Anyway, but Joe Barry, 
I think that is for me. I I would really battle between him and Marcus Page. Marcus Page, I just love that guy. But I, I just think of Joe Bear. I think he, for my for my two cents, he's the best that I've seen handling the ball. I feel like in this decade, wearing the Carolina blue. So that's a thought. But question: What about Kendall Marshall? Kendall Marshall was somebody I debated. Uh, initially, he was on it. He was he was a reserve on the team. I, I debated uh, in my mind and. Eventually, I took him off because for a number of reasons. One, uh, and I replaced him with Kennedy Meeks. Mm-hmm. Kennedy Meeks won a national championship. Kennedy Meeks was instrumental in winning a national championship. He's Without Kennedy Meeks, I'm not sure that Carolina beats Oregon in the semifinal game, mm-hmm. in which he had 25 points and 14 rebounds. Mm-hmm. Kennedy Meeks was fifth. I, and this, I didn't realize this. Kennedy Meeks is the fifth all-time rebounder in Carolina history. Wow. Fifth. Wow. So, nice. uh, and obviously, Kennedy played all four years. Kendall played two. Uh, and Kendall, in his short time, he's eighth all-time assist. And, you know, his, his numbers from the 2011-2012 uh, season uh, are crazy. You know, I mm-hmm. think I think he still holds the record, if I'm not mistaken, for ACC single-season assist, which uh, obviously uh, he's also the Carolina holder in that same record. Nice. But... Um, Ultimately, it came down to wins. For me, you know, those those two guys, I think, are, are pretty even. But uh, Meeks got a ring. <laughs> Marshall does not. Obviously, if Marshall doesn't break his wrist, we might be talking about 2012 as a national title team at Carolina. True. But Very true. It, you know, <laughs> ifs are ifs. So. All right, fair enough. CL, so wait, wait, was that in order of rank or what have you? Or? No, no. No. Okay. No. Who, who was the best player, would you say? Best player over the decade to me, and and here's the other thing, like it, it's kind of splitting hairs. Like do you take the best single season somebody had? Because I think Bryce Johnson's year in 2015-2016 was, was probably the best individual performance. I mean, he killed it. He, I, I forgot his numbers. I think it was like 18 and 11, 18 points, 11 rebounds, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. But um, I think Marcus Page sums it all up. I think, to me, regardless of actual numbers and, and things like that, to me, he represented what Carolina was about. Mm-hmm. And and I wrote this part in the story. I mean, this he was the basically the ambassador of the program while the investigations were going on, while, while everything was wrong. On the outside with Carolina basketball, Marcus Page was what was right, mm-hmm. you know, nice. and he carried well himself that way. So, um, to me, and if Chris Jenkins doesn't hit that three at the buzzer for Villanova, yes, yes. we're talking about Marcus Page single-handedly almost rallying the team uh, in that Final Four uh, or in the national championship game in 2016, and and hitting the double clutch. Yeah. Looking like he's doing a running man in the air shot. That's that's getting a lot more run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Memories. Great memories. Great job on that article. So, folks, you can go to theathletic.com uh, right now. and It's theathletic.com slash CBB. Is that what we're talking about? Um, 
just the athletic dot com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you'll find it in the college basketball section. Well, we'll have it on we'll have it on our Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we'll have it out there too. So very interesting reading. Thank you, CL. And we're gonna go to our sponsors right now for some very inter- interesting listening, and then come on back. Of course, we have to finish with the brown out here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Woo-wee. We got some good ones for you right here, folks, on The Brownout. The Brownout. Is the Elam ending good or bad for basketball? So I was in Greensboro last week for uh, for the basketball tournament and seeing the Elam ending live and in person for, for the first time. And I got to say, I, I was very skeptical of it, you know, when they put it in place and I watched some games on TV last year. Uh, and I still... I'm not on board with it, but it's cool for the for the basketball tournament. It's cool, but I think the main thing for me that it leaves out uh, buzzer beaters. You know, um, you you end up not going in overtime, not having those kind of battles. And so, because uh, I remember, I mean, one of the, the best games I think this century was Carolina and Wake Forest triple overtime. Chris Paul led Wake Forest team. Uh, uh, that was that was a championship Carolina team in 05 and and Wake wins in Chapel Hill. You wouldn't have that with the Elam Indy. Yeah, as you pointed out, I, I, I don't see how you get how you eliminate buzzer beaters. That's a huge part of the excitement of basketball. I there's gotta be a way to amend it too, so can't can't go with it quite yet. Next question. Adrian Peterson, who has made more than one hundred million dollars in career earnings, is now in debt. Is enough being done by professional leagues to curtail this from happening? I think every every sports league, professional sports league, tries to have something for to prepare athletes uh, for life off the field. You know, uh, with with warning signs and everything. So, I think enough was done to try and help Adrian Peterson, but. Um, you know, I think like with anything, it's people are going to fall through cracks and everybody doesn't have the same discipline when it comes to finances or what have you. And I know his, his lawyers come out since and, and kind of put out that uh, he trusted the wrong people and, and you know, he might have been scammed essentially out of out of some money. But um I don't know. This isn't this isn't the last. He's definitely not the first, and it won't be the last. You know, CL, a little interesting point. I actually know the opposing lawyer, Darren Heitner. He's hmm. he's a very interesting guy. He writes for Forbes magazine. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Maybe we could talk to him about this in the future. You know what, though, CL? Uh, and, and you know they, the hundred million number over the course of his season. It is easy to miscast that because people just hear one hundred million and they're like, "Whoa, how do you blow that?" You know, over the course of many years, that number becomes, I think, a lot different. You know, with tax and everything, but uh, but still, you know, um, sound financial advice says people nowadays need a million to to retire not knowing how many people are doing that i don't know that we're gonna do that but anyway me you know me and my wife but uh a million to retire to spend your years of retirement one million so i just oh my even if you trusted the wrong people even if there's a lot that went wrong it still seems like there would be more in your favor and it's just a grievous it's a grievous error to to hear 
I do think the leagues are doing enough. I, I think Adrian's got some uphill work to do, I guess. Will the Arena League ever be more than a niche sport? I think the Arena League is fine just being a niche league and making sure its fans love its product. I mean, we it's not like this is five years old and, and we're sitting here wondering if it can take off. It's been around. It's yeah. had chances. Yeah. If it was going to catch on like that, I think the, the key for the Arena League is just being in the right markets where the product can be appreciated and it can be a big thing to the community as opposed to just trying to get in some more major markets and you know trying to trying to put a square peg in a round hole yeah i mean you know the elite the the arena league has it's gone pretty interestingly because they've they've kind of undergone a reboot kind of a, a quiet soft reboot and um they're they're being run by monument sports out of dc you know they run the capitals and and the uh, uh 70 i mean the uh the wizards you know and they they've done a good job kind of rebuilding the brand those teams as well as the soul philadelphia soul and uh the rock star that, that runs that team but uh so so you see that they are rebuilding their brand a little bit and and but they they are the the original ones i guess I, I would say i don't see it becoming huge but i do if you're talking about fans you know, see, you know you just wonder what happens in the stands it seems like those games are accessible enough that you could maybe see more fans in the stands so i think that there's going to be technology introduced it might be that technology the same type that was used um uh, this spring um in in the league uh I think maybe if they get players, you know, you can bet on each each play or something like that. I think that uh, that might help them somewhat. But I think this this consistent leadership will it'll it'll do the job to do, to keep them where they are. Like you say, initially, we're gonna have to do a, a playback on why why you either have to drink liquor or have money on the game to enjoy football. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> the guys from Dude Perfect released a video of the group trying to return a serve from Serena Williams. Do you think you could do it? Oh, this is a good one, Seattle. So I I hope that our listeners aren't misguided, especially our male listeners aren't misguided enough to think that they could return a serve from Serena Williams. I saw I saw a lot of chatter when she was struggling in the Wimbledon final. And uh, one columnist in particular said he thinks he could get a point off of Serena. No, you could not. And this video proves her. I I don't know if it's because it's tennis and people just kind of take it for granted or something. Like, she is a a Marx woman, (laughs) if that's even a term out there. She is so precise and you can't do what she does. You just can't. One of the guys in the video was talking about the spin she put on the ball. He thought it was going one way or went the other way. So, you know, you can't. Man, you better bow down to the queen. That's all. <laughs> then I don't know if my answer is you're going to like it. Well, so the guy said he could get a point. I do not. I don't think I could get a point on Serena. But but our question is, could you return a serve? And I think if I saw enough serves, I think I could get one over the net. Didn't well, one guy? Yeah, he got one over the right. net. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't even like a real playable hit. It was more sure. like a fluke that went arcing <laughs> over the net, like it, it you got know, which, which she yeah immediately slammed. So 
So, so is it, is, what is it, Sia? Is it can we get a point or is it can we return? Is it which do you think? I mean, it, it should probably be say can get a point. I don't curse CL, but <laughs> well, no. Okay. All right. All right. That is uh, the brown out for this week, and that is Sibling Rivalry Sports. Glad to be back. Uh, just just churning through the summer, folks, trying to give you some good listening, and we're going to come back next week with more good listening. So my name is Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports. Sports on 97.9 The Hill.